Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of She Goat, the podcast where we chat with unstoppable women who are crushing it in the world of sports. I'm your host, Yolanda Brunzoni, and today we've got a dope guest in the house. She's not only a marketing director at Puma, but she has worked also for brands like Walt Disney and Warner Bros. But most importantly, she's the founder of Unmatched. And she will tell us more during the episode about her platform. She's originally from Romania. She has lived in Spain and now she's in Nuremberg in Germany. So working for Puma. And fun fact, how we met. So we met through LinkedIn. I know that it sounds a bit um like, but I have a lot of friends that I actually met on LinkedIn. And this is very interesting. So... We started to talk and then our energies just really matched. And since then, she's been, wow, a great mentor to me. She made me change my mind on a few things. So I really respect that, that she was able to, you know, change my perspective. And she pushes me to be uncomfortable. And most of, most important than everything, she pushes me to be authentic. Today we have Oana Leonte. It's an exciting journey, I think. The... It is. It I... is. How was it for you? Why you this? What inspired you to create Unmatched? Oh, we're starting there. That is all in. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> there you go. You you went to the most important question of all. Well, bear with me. It's a little bit of a long maybe story, but I'll try to keep it short. So you know how you hear in the corporate environment that the one phrase that I've heard since I started my career was everyone is replaceable. It's such a sad thing to say. And it's, I don't think it's true, but it's something that people just say all along, you know, as in, oh, you know, just get ready. Everyone is replace replaceable. And it gives you this feeling of, oh my gosh, like, what am I good at, really, you know? And I think that, you know, somewhere along the way, about two two years ago, as I was closing on my 40s, and I think this sort of midlife moment, you know, uh, you know coming in, creeping in, this is something that just came back to my mind for some reason. I think there were just like, maybe right after the pandemic, there was this sort of you know, global moment of reconsideration of life and, you know, sort of the way you are doing things as individual and just a collective trauma of what we were going through together. And I guess everyone went through this moment of recalibration and reassessment, right? So this is what kind of happened to me. And this sort of, you know, sentence was just come, coming back to me. And I was like, well, you know, not that I'm re replaceable, but like, what makes me different than everyone else? There's so many marketers out there. What makes me me? And this just like question for some reason just was coming through to my mind all along. And then it set me on this journey of putting tangible answers to that question what is really me? What makes me different? What makes me a good marketer? You know, um, in the corporate environment, we, we obviously we do a lot and we have to execute a lot, but it's also very much theoretical in many cases. Sometimes we're like very far away from 
the real action. You know, we're far away from the markets where things are being executed, sometimes far away from the consumers. And so we kind of like live in this bubble. Some of us, you know, closer, some of us more removed from, you know, the the real aspect of how the market is going. So I was kind of worried of, you know, that I, I never want to be so removed that I'm not sure anymore what is happening. So I think that that's when I started my journey with um, not necessarily unmatched. I think unmatched came to me as the word that encapsulated all those thoughts that I was having a bit later. But this idea of I need to put tangible, you know, things behind my skills, behind things that I'm doing. I I wanted to test things out. Um, I wanted to communicate more with people. So I started a newsletter and a, and a podcast. And I had one before Unmatched, which is called Overthink Big. And I did two episodes. <laughs> and then I switched to Unmatched because that's when it kind of like came together for me, the concept. So yeah, I think it's like to make a very long story short, it was just like a moment in time that it sort of just came over me, this idea that we're all kind of replaceable in the world, but we're not really because we are us independently where we are ourselves. And the more that we understand who we are, the less replaceable we are. So you know what I what I get from you? I feel that you want to create things. You like to build things. And I don't know if I'm correct, but. Oh, yeah. Since always, my parents were entrepreneurs and I grew up with this idea that I always wanted to have something of my own you know I've had um, a small business when I was living in Spain about 11 years ago um, which was an amazing project uh, that I had so much fun with developing but also I have to say I've always been an intrapreneur you know so inside the companies that I've worked for um, and in the roles that I've been you know, there's the entrepreneur when you found your own company or your own project, but you can always be an, an intrapreneur inside the companies where you're at and just, you know, be that person that wants to, um, you know, lead things, do things, create things, make things happen. That's also possible inside of big companies. So I've always been that person for sure. And, you know, I was thinking about our last conversation, our last texting on, on Instagram, are you a New Year's resolution person or not really? I used to be, and I always failed. <laughs> Same year. Yeah, but this year is different. Actually, um, I have to say, I think I was telling you the other day, um, a, a couple of years ago, I've changed my mindset on goal setting. And, you know, I've always been goal oriented. And I think that is also part of the whole unmatched personal journey of mine that I've always been this sort of high achiever, high, you know, goals oriented person. The problem with that is that once you achieve the goal, what is there to do? You know, if you don't have a bigger purpose, because bigger reason why you're doing things, if you don't achieve your goals, it's bad because you feel like a failure. But if you achieve your goals and then you're like, meh, okay, and now what? So what I changed about two years ago is, at the beginning of every year, I, well, actually two years ago, I started to kind of like map out a bigger vision for me and my life and how I want my life to look like in five, 10 years from now. 
And so now that I have this bigger vision, you know, this umbrella vision of like, okay, this is where I'm heading. This is what I want to do. This is how my life needs to look like and my family and my, you know, and, and everything that surrounds me, the work that I want to do and stuff like that, everything else falls immediately into place once you have that vision and that purpose, because then the goals are just milestones, little steps that you have to take each year in order to get there. And so at the beginning of the year, what I do now is I recalibrate that vision that I have and I set for myself some small steps um, that I need to make each year in order to get to where I want to go. Juana, you have also a template, I think, right? On yeah. your yes. template of goal setting. And I was speaking with the, my therapist, but also she gave me a sort of similar exercise, very amazing. So how to narrow down what are the goals that you want to achieve, how you're going to achieve it daily, who do you need help from? And also I was speaking with my astrologist and like two hours ago and she said this, she said, list of intentions, she called it, uh, she calls it. And she said that once you put the intentions out, it's like it helps you prioritize your attention as well, because, you know, yeah. our attention, energy and everything is, is limited. So we also spoke about being delusional. That is my <laughs> favorite word. Is go- I'm yes, gonna be delulu. We're delulu. so delulu now. Yes. May all it. our delulu become trululu. Is the trend now? I love it. I love and you it. know what? It sounds so cheesy, but I think it's so true. Sometimes you really need to think bigger. You know, it's 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 not that you're delusional. Is that we just underthink uh, a lot of the stuff that we can achieve. You know. And I think that if you, that's why my first podcast was called Overthink Big. <laughs> I i always say I'm a recovered overthinker because I've been the biggest overthinker. But, you know, I realized that's why I changed my, my perspective is that it's not that I was an overthinker. I wasn't sure of who I was. So many points to, to okay. How did you recover from overthinking? That's, that's what I'm trying to, to learn. Unlearn. Oh yeah, yeah. How do you do yes. it? Yes, I even have a mug that says re- "recovered overthinker." I need to send you a picture afterwards. How I recovered? Well, it's a working progress, like any recovery. When you're addicted to something, you know you're always going to be a sort of overthinker there in the background. But you can recover from it a lot once you understand what that vision is um, that you have for your life and your bigger purpose. And everyone has one. And I know that when you say, "Oh, I need to find my purpose." sounds like a very grand, almost like a grandiose sort of thing that, you know, some people just say, hey, like, does everyone has to, has to have a purpose? Like, maybe I don't have a purpose. And to that, I have to say, I don't agree. I think maybe we've overused the term purpose because, you know, like in marketing, you use it a lot. What's your purpose? What's your vision and mission and values and all that? And I think in the world, it has been overused and, you know, all these health, self-help books and everything. I think that purpose can be just simple things. You know, your purpose could be simply living a, a simple life, enjoying everyday simple things. That could be a purpose. The point is you need to find in yourself what it is that you've been put on this earth to do. And I, I do believe that everyone has been put here to do something. There is something that we're all here for. Um, and so once you figure that out, I think the overthinking just melts away. Overthinking because you have a lack of clarity. That's why I overthink because I try to anticipate the future. I want to control. I want to mm. know what is going to happen. But oh, I'm, yeah. I'm learning. I'm 
trying to stay focused in the present. And this is why I love sports and women's sports and also meeting with athletes coach because their mindset so mm -hmm. fascinating, so fascinating. Yes. Like they're so able to be in the zone, flowing, you know, really being present. So I try to unlearn the overthinking, staying really grounded and be like, okay, there is no past, no, no future. Just but you know what, what else the athletes do really well? Because that's something that I'm also learning from working in, 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 in Puma as well. They have such a belief in themselves and in what they can achieve of confidence you know um the point is that actually when you start putting tangible things in front of you you prove to yourself that you can do it and then it's not being delusional anymore it's then your self-confidence needs to take over you know you need to yes you need to dream big and bigger than you maybe you typically would do but then it's like keeping that belief in you that you can do it that self-confidence self this is where I've had the biggest struggle in my life, you know, and the really self-confidence. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But never say, so please tell me more. <laughs> well, you know, obviously it's, it's not something that you would uh, necessarily see. And that's something that you also, you know, tend to mask a lot, but yeah, self-confidence is the biggest thing that I've had to struggle with um, in my life. And I would say not so much in my career, but definitely in my personal life, because I think the professional side was more the public side of me. And then there was this hidden side that was not aligned with the projection, right? And so, you know, this is why Unmatched actually came to life, because you know, I was I was brought up in a in a certain culture that was very goal oriented, very achievement oriented. And I was brought up in this idea that you need to achieve a lot in order to be deserving of people um, saying that you're good, admiring you or valuing you. And so it wasn't really instilled in me this idea that you have to value yourself first. And that's why sometimes you know, and I guess this exercise just started by uh, this idea of not being completely sure of how good I was, although the track record is there, you know, to show, but still I needed more tangible proof. So I think, yes, everyone deals with that. No matter how confident you appear, there's always this, the hidden you, right? The unmatched you, the, the person that you're alone with, when all the cameras are off, the lights are off, and you're alone in your room all by yourself, that's how that's who you really are. Would you say that even, for example, I don't know, Rihanna deals with uh, being not confident? Everyone? I'm pretty sure everyone does. And the thing is, the more you get recognition, it can become even worse, you know, because then you need more and more. And when you don't get it, you feel like you don't deserve it. Maybe you're not good enough. Yeah. So you almost like you put this pressure on yourself that people need to validate you continuously. And I do think that, I mean, I don't know her personally, so I, I cannot know. Yeah. But I'm Rihanna, just please let us know. Please let us know what you think. I think she she appears a very confident woman and actually she just gives so much strength you know you see her on stage and she's so inspirational but I'm pretty sure that anyone has dealt with that at some point 
you know, I'm pretty sure. So you work in you work in Puma and you had a long career also in corporate because you were mm -hmm. Walt Disney and mm -hmm. so you traveled as well. You lived you lived in Spain, you're originally mm -hmm. from Romania, very yeah. broad career. What would you say if you had to just, you know, there are some young listeners and someone that is just starting their career right now. One mantra, one sentence to inspire everyone, inspire the community. I would say maybe two things, curiosity and adaptability. Because, you know, if we if you think back, the generation of our parents, of your parents, maybe, they still lived and worked in a in a in an age where you went to school, you studied, you got a job, and the chances were that you would probably stay there for a long, long time, right? This is obviously not happening anymore. This is not going to be a reality for you or me, for that matter, in the next five to 10 years, even less for people that are starting their career today. Um, and so the one thing that has always helped me and that I think are the two things that need to probably be even more developed moving forward are these two things, curiosity, adaptability. And I would add as a third thing, creativity. Um, I like to say that the future of marketing is human because I think that the more data we work with, the less human we tend to be. And I think that, you know, we need to really go back to this idea of being more human, understanding more the actual people behind the data points, right? The data is there to help us make informed decisions, but we cannot leave that you yeah. know, experience of connection, you know, for, for just the data. You really need to involve yourself as a marketer uh, in getting those insights from real people, even if it's one, two, three people that, you know, but ask those questions and see what you get back. So as we navigate this upcoming wave of, of AI taking over everything, literally, and including marketing, staying human, staying curious, being adaptable to changes, keep learning and being creative in the way that you think, um, will definitely help you. One, I'm struggling to make my mom understand that she cannot judge me with their values of someone who mm -hmm. grew up in, you know, in this village, in a hometown and, you know, same partner, same job for like yeah. 30 years. We are, we are a different generation with all this input, with all this, you know, sky's the limit. You want a job in, you move to Germany for to work for Puma. You want to work, go in to, to work in Ireland or Spain. You can move wherever you want. And I love your words especially creativity. And I think it's a delicate balance as well between data, numbers, and the human side. Especially, I think you said it, Walt Disney sold an emotion. It didn't sell, you know, anything else, numbers. It's, it sold the emotion of, you know, you're feeling it's it's magic and you belong, probably. Yeah, no, absolutely. I That's where I learned my marketing, actually, at, at Disney. And you know, like every corner of that company is magic, you know, the stores, the offices, the parks, wherever you go across the world and the people that you meet that work there, they will all give you the same feedback because this, this value is so strongly impregnated in the, in the culture of the company. And, you know, he used to say that, you know, in, you're not selling products, you're selling the magic 
And the reason why the products are being sold is because the people believe in the magic. And I strongly believe that people don't just want to buy products. They buy the transformation that you are offering them through your brand. They buy from you because they trust you as a person. Um, they buy the values that you stand for as a company, as a brand, as a person. Um, that is the magic, you know, that is what makes the magic work. And so, you know, when, when speaking to your mom, of course, I understand the generation gap is a real thing. Uh, and I'm sure that I will have that with my two little kids <laughs> eventually, but I'm really, um, I have to say as a mom, I will do my best to refrain from that because I went through it myself. And I think we're all experiencing that generational gap where parents want to do the best for you because they've gone through a set of experiences that they've tested and they failed and they realized what works and what doesn't and, and they want to protect you. But I think that the, the one thing that you can remind your mom is that she's not where she is because she never failed. And so allowing you to fail and test things and maybe not fail and succeed. And if you don't test, you don't really, uh, you, you don't really succeed. So, you know, doing and learning is the best way to move forward. Absolutely. And I want to, I know maybe it's cliche what I'm going to say, but sometimes I want to fail. I'm like, if I'm not failing, I don't feel, again, I, I know maybe it's cliche, but I really believe in what I'm saying. There's this saying that I love, fail fast and cheap. Yes, this is the thing that completely changed my mindset on failure. You know, fail fast and cheap. So the faster you fail, the sooner you can recalibrate. And, and the cheaper you're failing, the stakes are not so high. The quicker you can start failing and getting used to it, and testing and failing and getting up and trying again and doing it differently and taking a different look route and and taking a different angle on things the more prepared you're going to be for the future because the future is all about that 100% like amen but i think that sometimes i so i'm wondering is it possible to really like that your career is really aligned with your values with your you know, with what you want to do with your purpose, that your nine to five job is aligned. Maybe not necessarily. It doesn't have to be, but uh, yeah. So makes sense. Everything that you said. Yeah. I really think it's possible and I'll give you the framework. And this is something that I'm writing in my book as well. I think there's five things. There's, there's really five points that you need to connect in order to unmatch your brand and to really understand what your authenticity stands for what your brand eventually stands for. You know, if we take one step back before we go into that, there is your true identity, the thing that you are when the lights are out, where you're alone in your room, just by yourself, you with yourself. That's your, you know, your true identity. And then there's the perceived brand that you're creating, right? It's the outside shell because, I mean, let's face it, I know myself because I've been getting to know myself for 40 years. I don't expect you in, you know, 20 minutes of a conversation to, to know me as deep as I know me with all the different layers and experiences and all that. So I need to create something that it's easily understood, understood by you. Right. And this is why the personal brand is coming into play. Those two things need to really be aligned. Otherwise you're not authentic, authentic. 
right? So if you're creating something for the outside world that doesn't really match your identity, the whole purpose of doing that is because people just don't have time to get to know you so well immediately. The attention span is very, very short. So you're crafting, you're curating that outer shell in order for people to get to know you the way you want them to know you and perceive you. But once you're not aligned, with who you re really are, you're not being authentic, right? That's where authenticity fails. And then in order to get there, in order to understand who you are, because sometimes what happens is that it's not that you're trying to be someone else. It's just that you don't know yourself well enough. So the five things that will get you to understand yourself and to always maintain the authenticity are five things. First one is your story right? Your origin story, what you've been through, where you were born, the family you were in, how you got to where you are, all the kind of like the failures, the successes, the tribulations, the, everything that have brought you to where you are today informs mm -hmm. the person that you are, right? It doesn't define your future, but it informs who you are as a personality, as an identity. The second thing is your purpose. As I said, it doesn't have to be the purpose of changing the world, but you need to understand like what you're here for. And this might take a while. You might, you might be in your 20s and maybe you're not clear on it. It's a work in progress. One day it will hit you, but you can never stop searching for it. And sometimes, yes, you need to change a lot of things until you get to where you're saying, okay, well, now everything clicks. It makes sense. The third thing is a very hard thing, which is the zone of genius. Everyone has something that is called what I call it the what I call it is your magic, what makes you you. And this is what I love about what you said about changing so many things is that here's the beautiful thing. Nobody has the magic that you have. And you know why you have it? Because you are doing all these different things. What what are the odds that someone has been in fintech, has been, I don't know, in in like has studied law. And he's doing a podcast about women in sports. That sort of intersection of all these things doesn't exist except in you. So that's your magic. You know, like all those different things that you're putting together end up creating your magic. And that is something that makes you sort of you and unmatched, right? And then there's the mindset, how you do things that you do. And the mindset is, oftentimes created by your story, you know? So the accumulation of information, of experiences, of things that you've lived, but also all the things that you decide to learn about, you know? I didn't know how to do a podcast, so I wanted to learn about, is this mindset of curiosity of wanting to learn more. And so I start gathering more, which forms more of my mindset. But this is important because you can't be an authentic brand without this way of thinking. It makes you unique because of all those other points, but also the way that you operate, the way that you think is very much just you. And then the last point, which is always the last one for me, is the strategy. You cannot, I mean, you can't start with the strategy. When you build a brand, when you keep a brand authentic, when you rebrand or refresh a brand, you know, this is how you close the loop. It's all those five different points united, you know, closing the loop on them is what will always keep you authentic. Because if your strategy is misaligned with your story, you're not going to be authentic. If your strategy is not going to be aligned with your mindset. So 
you have a strategy that doesn't kind of align with how you're going to do things, it's not going to work out. You know what I mean? And so everything is connected. And the moment you forget where you're coming from and where you're going and what your purpose is or what your kind of mindset is or what you're even good at, what your genius is, you're misaligned. Thank you for this. For this, I cannot wait for the book to 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 be out. And it was like really coaching session. So really, thank you. I will no, I will really happy let, this, let this sink and meditate on that. But there are two minutes left, and I wish we could like stay more and more and talk, and I could like absorb everything and maybe I don't know give a little bit to you as well. But we can uh, do it more often. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice talking to you. So this episode was amazing, not only because I really, really, really like Oana. Spotlight is a new Oana. But also because of, you know, all the topics that we discussed. And we spoke about being curious about their journey, being a curious child. And um, one thing that I love is the delusion part. So delusion is has been traditionally seen, you know, as something negative, uh, like believing unreal things. And guess what? So now TikTok is blowing up with the hashtag Delulu. I think it has 1.3 or 1.6, I don't know, billion views uh, or other things like, you know, lucky girl syndrome and so these are the latest manifesting trend on TikTok and Twitter. It's actually more real than you think. So I'm not an expert on this. So make your own researches. But I know this because my therapist, Irene, she speaks often about this concept of neuroplasticity, that it's the brain, the brain's superpower ability to rewire itself through repetitive new thoughts. So is like you train your brain to new thoughts and you start to believing new thoughts about yourself, about your reality, and confirmation bias will begin to witness it in your external reality. So if you don't believe that you're worth of something, you will emit a vibration that will repel that very thing you're trying to attract. And I know, I know for some of you it might seem like a little bit new age, a little bit like tarot or woo-woo talk, but I love this talk and I believe in this. So, so also because having more confidence in yourself than you might initially feel or seeing things in a more positive light can be very helpful. And okay, if maybe you don't want to use the word delulu, I don't know, whatever, you don't like it, but it's just semantic. You, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, and on this note, the Lulu is the Solulu. I say goodbye to you. This is Shigot. I'm Yolanda. And thanks for listening. I hope that all our delusional will become true in this 2024, whatever we are manifesting, love, career, success, health, wealth, every damn thing.